David, and as always, I am joined by the intriguing Matt. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not doesn't necessarily mean good. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll take that there. <laughs> All right. So um, today, um, what do we have on the docket? We're talking about Father's Day. Father's Day by Paul Cornell. Yeah. Before we get there, mm. I just Ooh, want to say a bit of housekeeping. A few thank yous. Since our first episode dropped last week. I've nominated some patron saints of the cause. Patron saints? Patron like... saints. Okay. Are we starting our own religion? Well, there's only four, so it could be the uh, Mount Rushmore of the podcast. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with either. So I'd like to thank our friend, friend of the show, Simon Green. He was our first ever Twitter follower. Ah, oh, thank um, you, Simon. I'd like to thank Tom Picard who's a friend of mine, who was the show's first ever Twitter contact. Mm. I, I mean, he must get this all the time and he'll hate me for this, but any relation to Jean-Luc? Uh, I've never once made that joke. I'd be far too scared. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank our first ever official listener. That was Mark Tucker. Ah. Uh, a friend of yours? Older brother. Yeah. And our first iTunes review... I think this is, might be the first one that isn't a blood relative or close <laughs> friends to us. Uh, our first iTunes review was from Coda Marnin. I think I've pronounced that right. Mm. We also had our show's first ever email this week. Did we? We did. Oh, you haven't told me about this. This is exciting. Yeah, it was from Audible, a branch of Amazon.com. Oh. Trying to sell us something. So, <laughs> I just thought, uh, uh. we're not sponsored by Amazon, so... I, I mean, is there anything you'd like to promote instead? Any products you endorse? I got a banana from Tesco's earlier. That was all right. Great. <laughs> yeah. I think if I could endorse anyone, I'm going to say Travelling Man Comic Book Shop in York. That's a genuinely good shout. I, yeah. would, I would agree with that. Unfortunately, I used to go weekly. Mm -hmm. I, I can't due to work commitments, but probably the best comic book shop in the land. It's it's a cracking shop. Um, I'll I'll be honest. Um, for various reasons, I'm I'm mostly a digital comic book reader. Sorry, I am one of the people putting uh, local comic book shops out of business. But having said that, I do like to pop in whenever I'm in York and uh, gaze lovingly at their beautiful selection of board games. I think I spend enough for the both of us. I think, mm, I think I'm yeah. single-handedly keeping them in business. We're doing well, okay that's good. That's good. Good work you're doing there. Um, so, if you would like to get in touch, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. And we are also, as previously mentioned, on Twitter. That is at timenorspacepod. I mean, when you say we're on Twitter, what you mean is you're on Twitter. Because yeah. I don't really understand how Twitter works. So, it's, it's very much, um, you're a law unto yourself. I, on I, I say account. a lot of nice things about a lot of nice things. <laughs> Um, right then, so should we get stuck into it? Um, so Father's Day. Father's Day. Season 1, episode 8. Yes, written by Paul, Paul Cornell, um, who, what is this, is the third guest writer for the series. So. Um, this It won't surprise you to hear, the same as, as Mark Gatiss and, oh why am I blanking on the name all of a sudden? So that was Robert Shearman. Robert yes, Sherman. that's right. Um, right, who wrote Dalek. Um, also, someone who cut their teeth in terms of Doctor Who writing for 
um, sort of the extended universe stuff during the, the 90s, the so, wilderness well, years. I, I gave him a quick Google because yeah. I was unaware of him. And yeah. He's written a lot of the Doctor Who comics. He has, and uh, also tie-in novels. And amongst his comics, he's actually written, not a guilty pleasure, but mm. a lesser-known comic character I really love that I don't know if a lot of people do. Mm. Oh, yes. Are you aware of Knight and Squire, the comic? I'm not. I'm assuming this is Marvel. Um, DC. Is it D- DC? DC. I, knew, I knew he'd written for Marvel. I didn't know he'd written for DC. Okay, so yeah. Knight and Squire are the British Batman and Robin. Oh, cool. So Knight is basically Batman, but with a medieval helm rather than the Batcow. And Squire is Robin, but almost court jesterish. Right. Not so much in a Harley Quinter. He's not ro- riding around on a hobby horse. No, no, no. But he... Just by being affiliated with Knight and Squire, Paul Cornell's okay, Batman. He scores some points there. Yeah, yeah he's a pretty well-respected writer within the Doctor Who community and, and the wider science fiction community. As we say, he's written a lot of comic stuff for Marvel and also DC, I'm finding out now. Right. Um, and yeah, a ton of stuff for the extended universe. Comics, novels, audio plays. Um, so it's kind of a long time coming for him to actually get to write for the show proper on TV. So I'm, I'm going to, this might even become a regular feature. I'm going to try and guess okay. whether you actually enjoyed this episode or not. Okay, so I I, I knew this was coming, yeah. so I want to refer back to the five point system from yeah, last I should, time. I should get like, a, can, so, you, can you do me like a crib sheet or something so like that? Good episodes, yeah. bad episodes, good episodes with bad bits. Bad episodes with good bits. Secret option number five was no emotional attachment or response to the episode. Yeah. I'm going to say bad episode with good bits. You you were close. It's actually secret option number six. Oh, yeah? Okay, which is, I like this episode, but I can't tell you why. That will be interesting to unpack, because if I tell you my... I also have a complicated relationship with this episode in that I really like it, but also there are elements of it that infuriate me. See, at no point did I think this episode, it flirted with being good episodes with bad bits. Mm. But like I say, I cannot explain. Of all the episodes we've watched, this one is probably, because where are we now? Episode eight. I'd probably put this in my top half. Yeah. But I cannot tell you why. Well, um, maybe we'll we'll hit on that as we go through the episode, um, and we'll also we'll talk about why it aggravates me in certain ways okay. as we go on as well. But um, interesting yeah. role reversal. <laughs> yeah. So the episode starts with Rose talking about her dad in a flashback. Mm-hmm. He died seventh of November, nineteen eighty-seven. Any idea what was going on in the world? Oh, you know what? I mean, well, I would have been about a year old, so I, I, do I get a pass for I that? I've recently turned two. Basically, when I researched this date, the only thing that came up was that the Tunisian premier, I'm assuming that's the state head, yeah. uh, fired their president. Hmm. Okay. It's good to know, isn't it? Yeah. And number one in the UK chart was the Bee Gees with You Win Again, which... Not a song I'm familiar with. It's a song I'm very familiar with. Right. It, I really do like the Bee Gees in a non-ironic way. This would probably be my karaoke song. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm big fan of this. So, 7th of November, already off to a good start for you. Uh, this might yeah. be why I secretly like this episode. I mean, it definitely wears its 80s settings 
uh, yeah. heading on its sleeve. Um, which is, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. No, um, no, I think I think it works well as well. It doesn't stare, it doesn't stride into being cheesy or anything. No, silly. it just, it, but it just is very conscious in terms of the the clothing, the cars, the mobile phone, yeah. all of those kinds of details. It definitely is relishing the opportunity, and this is interesting as well in that. I think this is one of the first times we have what is essentially a historical episode of Doctor Who set during a period where Do- during a period where Doctor Who was actually on TV. Yeah. Which is weird to think wow. about. We might we might come back to that because there's a few <laughs> things I found a bit odd. Okay, and we find out that Rosie's dad was always having adventures. It's one way to put it. Probably not in the same sense his daughter is. No. I doubt he's met the mocks of Balhoon. No, I expect now. not. I expect not. So, Doctor and Rose agreed to go see him? Yes, yeah. Um, Rose kind of comes... She comes out of the blue, doesn't she, to the Doctor and just sort of mentions, oh, could we go and see my dad? Yeah. And I think at that moment, the Doctor's suspicions are already raised slightly. Yeah. He's willing to go along with it, but I think he's already a little bit like, ooh, is this a good idea? Yeah, it's the first time that the notion of travelling through time has linked to Rose as a character. Yes. It's been a bit flippant up until now. Let's yeah. go back, let's go forward. She's essentially been a tourist. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden it's it's getting personal. But when they do go back in time, they go to Rose's parents' wedding. Yeah, weird choice, Now I think. I, In each episode up until now, mm-hmm. or certainly in two specific episodes yeah one of the main plot points is uh, we can't trust the TARDIS it's not accurate in where it goes in space and time yeah doesn't seem a big issue this week does it no no it literally goes to the day they want <laughs> it's, it's almost as though it's about as reliable as they need it to be for the purposes yeah. of the story they're telling yeah and I mean we know that that's not the case because it's you know it, it's it's a thoroughly grounded and well thought out and consistent television program um but yeah it almost seems that way doesn't it (laughs) and we find out rose's dad was killed in a hit and run yeah and rose narrates the death of her father sort of talks the doctor through what happened yeah and there were things that she could recall from memory of the story yeah that he was on his way to a friend's wedding he was going to get a present a vase now one thing she didn't recall but I did because it's starting to really irk me. Yeah. Is when they walk past one of the posters on the wall, guess yeah. what's written on it? Is it Bad Wolf? Bad Bloody Wolf. Yeah. It's weird that that keeps popping yeah, up, isn't it? Like, is that a thing? I, I mean, I doubt it is. No. That's, I mean. No. Ma- is this going to be like, you know, the car, the Pizza Planet car is in every Pixar? <laughs> You know, is it just like a little... Yeah, maybe it's just a shout out to, to like a member of the crew or something. The, the best boy. He's known by Bad, <laughs> as bad, bad wolf, wolf to yeah. all his mates. Yeah. And then Rose <laughs> effectively narrates her father's death. Yeah. Okay. She says, I can't... Let him, sorry, she says, he can't die alone. Can I try again? Yeah. And the doctor just says, yeah. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, well, he does say it's a not a great idea yeah uh, he's definitely been 
I almost feel like he's he's almost like a dad being pestered into forking out for ice cream mm. when he knows like the kids already had enough sugar for one day, but they just it's just it's the path of least resistance. Yeah. So this time around, Rose does save her dad. Yes. The original Doctor and Rose disappear. Yeah. Now because he, she has immediately rewritten that timeline. But that is her own timeline. Yes, but the pr- prior to that, she had been witnessing the event, and and, and when that happened, um, basically she couldn't be there to witness it again. Right. I think you see uh, again. Now uh, we're getting into time um, travel law. Yes, uh, I which think is if something. The, if the first rose disappears, yeah. the second rose effectively should disappear. Yeah, but that would make her rose alpha. Yeah. Yeah, which is not necessarily the route that this episode is interested in going down. No. So Speaking of the route it goes down, mm-hmm. Rose speaks to her dad. Yeah. The first of about 80 times, they just have a little conversation. Yes. Now, at this point, something clearly evil flies over. Yes, and we know it's How evil. How do we know it's evil? <laughs> we know it's evil because we get a POV shot. Um... And it's uh, there is a red filter yeah. on the image, so we know it must have like evil red eyes. Yeah, and that is how we know. Following that, they go to Rose's dad's house. Yes. Now, yeah, I, I couldn't tell, but is this the same house that Rose's mum is in at a later date? I believe so. I right. think she even makes a reference to things it. moving. Yeah. yeah, and basically that she's. She never leaves the flat. Oh, is this? Am I getting ahead of myself? Okay. I might be, but anyway, yeah. Um, there is, there is. Uh, I think there is at least a strong implication that it's the same flat. Mm. Uh, probably because it was cheaper for them to redress the same set than exactly. build a different set. <laughs> and once they're there, the doctor is pissed off. Yeah, he has already warned Rose that she can observe but not intervene yeah and she has broken pretty much rule 101 of, of time travel and someone who who has directly like someone whose death has directly impacted all of her subsequent yeah. life decisions she has rewritten that and you know that's not going to be without consequence yeah the, do- the doctor refers to her as a stupid ape that seems, does. That seems yeah. to be almost like his C-bomb. When it's his go-to word. When yeah. he's furious with a human, yeah. that is as extreme as we've seen him get. Yeah, yeah. And we, we almost see echoes here, I think, of uh, how he was with Adam at the, le- at the end of the last episode. Yeah. Because um, effectively, and, and I think this is the point at which he says, it's, uh, it's about what... I can do for you or, or yeah. words to that effect. It's, it's, you know, he's always feeling like he's been taken for a ride here and Rose has tried to exploit um, yeah, I think, him and the TARDIS. I think the way yeah. this mimics Adam is there's a lack of understanding of the implications yeah. of their actions. Absolutely. So, you know, the world wasn't ready for whatever Adam was going to do with that information. Mm-hmm. The world isn't ready for whatever comes as a result of Rose saving her father. Yes. Or, yeah. the, you know, the effect caused by that. Yeah. So, 
he realizes he can't go, just go back in time and save the time lords. Yes, it's upsetting. But he, yeah, this is the first time he's explicitly saying that. Yeah, yeah. and he does say probably what I think is the best line of the episode, mm. where Rose says something along the lines of, "What difference is it? I just saved a man," and he says that an ordinary man is the most important thing in all creation. Yeah, it's a fantastic line, and actually, there is, I think, a bit of an echo of that again later in the episode. Yeah, which we'll get to, but um, I think that's one of the that's one of the strong thematic elements of this episode is that ordinary people matter. Yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And that's you, you know actually that's something thematically that you'll see crop up again and again throughout Doctor Who. It's one of the things that, that endears me to the show as much as it does. That's kind of pretty central to its ethos, really, that everyone is important. Mm. So the Doctor and Rose have had this falling out. Yeah. The Doctor storms off and something clearly evil. Yeah. With its red vision. We don't know what it is. And starts killing people. Yeah. We hear horrible screeching, red vision. And is this where we start to get what is a bit of a motif through the episode of like cutaways to some object or something? I think there's like a bottle of cider at one point, Maybe. and, and later on that. there's like a like an abandoned pram, and you kind of see it's first set up when when you see uh, Pete get hit by the car the first time and you see the vase smash. Yeah, it's a really obvious like metaphor because obviously. It's a kids show, or at least a family show. They can't show a mangled, bloodied body, yeah. so let's just cut to a the broken, broken vase. vase. And I think you'll see the director really likes that as a trick. And throughout this episode, right. every time someone dies, it will just smash cut to a close up of some whatever they were holding. Yeah. The Doctor and Rose have gone their separate ways now. Yeah. The Doctor heads back to the TARDIS. Yeah, he's stormed off in a huff. But at this point, the TARDIS is just a police box. Yeah, I really like that moment. That came as a bit of a surprise to me, because I yeah. didn't know that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first time you've seen sort of the TARDIS malfunctioning yeah. beyond just turning up at the wrong place at the so, wrong time. Whilst the Doctor's gone that way, Rose leaves with her dad for a wedding. Yes. The, this is a, their, their friend's wedding, the one they've gone to get the, the vase for. and Yeah. Um, already there's kind of this weird thing going on. I think we had the moment where Pete sort of half-heartedly tries it on with Rose and Rose immediately shuts him down. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that perhaps was in the flat. Yeah, in the flat, I think, uh, before they head to the thing. But, but, but she obviously couldn't overtly say why. Yeah, yeah. And it gets into, you don't want that to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But obviously, like, he's he's... There is this some innate connection. connection um, so yeah. So they're together in the car. Uh huh. And Rick Astley is on the radio. Yeah. From nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. So that's a that's yeah place. And this is pre Rick Rolling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As we know from earlier episodes, no one knows how to use the internet. So Rick Rolling's just a distant dream at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if we knew in in two thousand and five. The glory of Rick Rolling that was yeah. to come. Yeah. And it cuts from that to The Streets. Yeah. Which was from 2002. So slightly yeah. before this episode aired. Yeah. I think it would be about this time. I actually went and saw The Streets live. How was that? I, really, really good. Mm. I really didn't think I would enjoy it. 
absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I remember was at that concert album they did. Um, what was it? The Grand Don't Come for Free. Free. Yeah. I am not a rap fan mm. at all. It's just not really something I've ever that's ever clicked with me. My my taste in music veers towards the obscure and experimental and very chin strokey. Mm. But for whatever reason, when that album came out, a friend of mine kind of burnt me a copy and said, you actually have to listen to this. And I went through a, you know, about a month of genuinely listening to that album. Yeah. I, I, it, I, I don't know if it holds up. It probably does, though. I, I think this, we're going off on a streets tangent. Yeah. They were effectively grime before grime. Yeah. And all subsequent grime is crap in comparison. Yeah. Uh, to talk about another gig I went to, um, it would be last year, uh-huh. I went to go see Stormzy live. How was that? I literally fell asleep. Wow. <laughs> so I, I went even, to... Even when he gets all cross, because he gets cross, doesn't he? Yeah, that Stormzy. Well, I, I went to Radio 1's big weekend. Right. Stormzy was playing. I think, I think I'm right in saying it is the day. I probably burnt myself out because I also saw Little Mix. Right. Loved it. Mm-hmm. And when Stormzy came on, I just thought, I'm just going to have a lie down and yeah. listen to this in the sun. I just fell asleep. Yeah. Stormzy was a rap too far. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, <laughs> the, the music in the car. Yes. So also anachronistic. It changes yeah. again to yeah. a message, Watson, come here, I need you. Now, I missed the relevance of this. At first. Yeah. I just thought, oh, I can't wait to meet this Watson character <laughs> and see what he's going on. But yes. we'll cross that bridge when it becomes more relevant. Yeah. And the car that would have hit Rosie's dad disappears. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah. Cars don't normally do that. No. Even in Doctor Who, that's that's unusual. So they arrive at the wedding. Rosie's mum is there with baby Rose. Yeah. Which is a bit odd. Yeah. 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 To think about. And... As the series has gone on, yeah, I sort of like the lady that plays Rose's mum. I think she's all right now. She's well cast. She's irritating, she? but she's supposed to be. Yeah, like, absolutely. Once I've accepted the fact this character is there to get on my nerves, yeah, I quite like her. She's all right. Yeah, she's like, it, it is like she has just wandered in off an episode of EastEnders. Yeah, and I think that was a very intentional choice. Because um, one thing that made me laugh was when she looks at Rose and says, what are you looking at with your mouth open? And that's just Billy Piper's face. That's her, yeah. act, that's her acting reaction to everything. She's just a slightly open her mouth. You mm-hmm. know, when she's shocked, when she's happy, she just opens her mouth a bit. Yeah. Um, and Rose's dad turns up with Rose, and the car that was going to hit them just appears again, just turns up. Yeah, outside the, the church, and it just sort of whooshes past because Rose yep. shouts dad and yeah. pushes Pete out the way. Bit of a giveaway. Yeah. Has anyone ever called you dad? <laughs> Randomly? Um, not yet. See, I, I work in a school, so I get, I get, <laughs> oh, yeah. I get a lot of mum, a lot of dad, a lot uh, of miss. Yeah. And I'm none of those three things. <laughs> okay. Rose's parents have a massive argument, mm-hmm. and we basically can deduce two things about Rose's dad. Yeah. Number one, he loves sleeping about. Yeah. Number two, he's fucking useless. Yeah. He's that he's a bit of a sort of Del Boy type yeah. character that uh, I think cause early on in the in the, in the episode when we're in this flat we, we and Rose is kind of poking around at his stuff and he's got all of these different 
projects on the go. Yeah, he's got get boxes rich of quick schemes on the go. Exactly. It? Yeah, and this is basically the moment at which all of Rose's illusions are being shattered. Yeah, she has built up this image in her head of her father as this clever, resourceful businessman yeah. who loved him his her mum and um you know was just cruelly ripped away before his time that is kind of the impression she's always had of pete tyler and now all of a sudden she stood there watching her her parents really going at it yeah and which must have been a shock to the system (laughs) yeah so the next scene is of a children's playground yeah where everyone dies yeah well i say everyone dies they certainly disappear yeah Apart from one child. Yeah. Surely he's not important in any way, shape, or form. No, he just legs it. He just yeah. runs off. And back at the church, the doctor appears. Yes. And yells, everyone get in the church. Yes. Because. It's old. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's, yeah. Time dragons. Oh, yeah. Yes, the reapers. Let's See, I, I yeah. saw them called the reapers, but I don't yeah. think they're actually mentioned by name in the episode. It's possible that they're not, yeah. I think when I read it, they were... The name Reaper comes from one of the comic books, and they're featured yeah. in that, but they're not named... In yes. the episode, yeah. I mean, certainly, because, again, I was watching it with subtitles on, and, and it, it would say things like a Reaper's screeching, and things like that, so... Can, can we just talk about the Reapers for a second? Of course I, we I, can, I, I just yes. want to pick up two things the Doctor says about them. Yeah. Okay, so... There's some sort of accident in time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Rose saving her father. Yeah. And he says there's a wound in time and they're like bacteria taking advantage. Yeah. That's point one. Okay. Uh, you're going to get all science teacher on me, aren't you? But he then says <laughs> later on that they're here to sterilise the wound. Mm. That's not how bacteria so, works, is no, it? No, which is it? <laughs> you know, if they're sterilising the wound, that's a good thing. Right. If they're bacteria, that's a bad thing. Sterilizing is ridding yeah. a wound of bacteria. It's fair to say the doctor is at best talking in mixed metaphors in this in this point. Let's ju- just go with the fact that Rose has done a boo boo and time's all wonky and um, now there's time dragons. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you think of the CGI of the time dragons? I think that. The Slitheen are still the pinnacle of yeah. CGI. Yeah. I think this is a little bit ropey at times. It is. But I'll tell you what, I remember when I watched it on broadcast, I was blown away by it. I had never seen the like on a BBC on show. A TV show. Up until that point. For me, I was I in my head, I was thinking, this is like Lord of the Rings level. See, Quality. when I watched it, I thought it was like children's television program Raven. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're familiar with Raven. I think I flicked past it's, it a, a couple bit of like times. It's like Nightmare, but not modern as good. And, yeah, because, not as good. I mean, nothing is as good as Nightmare. To no, be fair. no, literally I, I nothing. Anyway, okay. um, yes. So we are told that the phone call, Watson, come here, I need you, is the first ever recorded phone call by Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah. It, as soon as he said that, it twigged in my mind. Prior to that, I just thought, this is a bit Watson. odd. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
it's uh, it's it's uh, so again we've got another time anomaly here and also i will say from a screenwriting perspective i think it's a really fun little twist on the usual oh i've got no signal yes. because screenwriters hate mobile phones yes because they fix every problem correct it's just why don't you just call someone you know why don't you just phone the police why don't you just phone your mate and get him to pick you up there's there if people have mobile phones and in this day and age everybody does then you have to find some way in the script to toss away a line like oh we're too far away we don't have any signal oh i'm out of battery or you know that they, they lose their phone the, or you in, know in the doctor who episodes we've seen yeah as well when that situation arose where rose couldn't use her mobile yeah, the doctor just made it magic. So exactly, it worked everywhere. Yeah, so they really had to come up with something, um, and I think it's it's a very Doctor Who-y way around writing mobile phones out of the episode. So I, I've always enjoyed that aspect. So, whilst the time dragons are outside having yeah. eaten half the wedding yeah. list, yeah, Rose asks the most pertinent question. Yeah, is this my fault? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, pe pennies starting to drop. It definitely is. Yeah, you know, anyone else saved anyone who should be dead? Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. But the car that hit Rose's dad. Yeah. Keeps appearing and disappearing. Yes. And the driver is doing exactly the same thing. I think he raises one hand above his face. Yeah. Every time. So, so it's like he's stuck in this loop, effectively. Rose's dad at this point, works it all out. Yes. But before we come to that, there's a conversation between one of the guests at the wedding and yeah. the doctor. Yeah. Where the doctor says what I think is the single best line in the series so far. Mm -hmm. So one of the guests at the wedding sort of tries to speak to the doctor and he says, you seem to know what's going on. And the doctor just simply says, I like to give that impression. <laughs> I, I think that... It's cracking me over a little bit. Yeah, there. I think that might line. be one of the things I liked about this episode was yeah. just literally that one conversation. Yeah. So going back to Rose's dad, mm -hmm. he asks Rose about the future once he's sorted it all out and in his head. Yeah. Asks what he's like. We find out that the little boy from the park that ran away was little Mickey slash Ricky. Yeah. You were wondering whether he was ever going to make an appearance again. Yeah. Yeah. Is this what you were expecting? Recast. Recast <laughs> as a small child. Okay. Yeah. And then what I want to know is, because little Mickey slash Ricky yeah. runs in and Rose's mum looks after him. Yeah. So why is Rose's mum such a fucking bitch when Rose goes missing? Why is she so horrible to someone she's known his whole life? I think she was looking for somebody to blame. I mean, it's 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 sad. It's the more the more I think about that year that Rose was missing, the the, the more tragic it, it it feels. And because the thing is, we never really we don't see it. We only ever see the aftermath of it. We never actually see what went on for that year. But it must have been absolute hell for all of them. But um, yeah, well, none of them were at the end of the year. That's true. You, you know, yeah, they, they're bad. Yeah, they're not having a, like a full blown existential <laughs> crisis at the age of nineteen. <laughs> okay, and we find out at this point that Rose can't touch baby Rose. Yes. Adhering to the rules of time travel from popular film Time Cop. Yes, I believe 
and oh, you know, I always, to be clear, I, I like I've been watching a lot of the classic series, right? I'm hoping to, you know, I want a hundred percent it eventually, um, and I all I'm always wary of dropping references to the classic series because I know there are people out there far more knowledgeable than I, but I'm pretty sure that this is. In effect, a restating of the Blinovich limitation effect. Go on. Which is a rule that I think was introduced in, I want to say, the Pertwee era. Um, and is basically just the idea that, that you can't have two versions of the same um, person at different points of their time stream. Like, I think originally that they can't cross paths at all. But obviously yeah. we've already bent that rule a bit See, my, in this episode. My, my understanding is, obviously... They're the same person. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. They cannot occupy the same, the same space. space. Yeah. yeah. It's essentially that. Yeah. It's fair enough. If you're going to make up rules about time travel, which let's be clear, nobody's ever managed to do, so we don't actually know what the real rules are. Yeah. So you have to make something up. It's as good a rule as any. Yeah. And yeah. it serves a dramatic Absolutely. function. So. Um. So at this point, the doctor, we see him in sort of a vulnerable state yes he admits that he has no plan yeah and can't foresee a way to solve yeah. this problem which is rare like in doctor who most of the time the doctor doesn't have a plan until yeah. the last minute but it's rare for him to admit it yes yeah and so that's kind of interesting and i think maybe um is an indicator of his emotional state at this point that He's angry with Rose, but I think he's he's even more angry with himself. See, I think that anger stems from when he talks about how his people could have stopped this scenario. Yeah. So it harks back to that one emotional anchor. Yeah. Perhaps we've seen all series. Yeah. The one thing that can get that emotional rise from him. Yeah. Is the death of his species. Yeah, just thinking about the time war. Because this is this is the thing, like he he's he's seeing the effects of this, and he he knows better than anyone that feeling of wanting to save people who just can't be saved. Mm. So even though in many ways the Doctor is not the focus of this episode, yeah, he, like his journey through it very much mirrors everything else that's going on. Okay, but from there, the TARDIS key gets hot. Yeah. So. This, I'll be honest, this is one of the things where this episode starts to lose me a bit. Yeah. The, the, the hot key. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously a hot key means that the key still works. Yeah. And the TARDIS appears in it. Yeah. He sort of... Does he need to, like, jerry-rig it with a mobile phone battery? battery. Yeah. And he puts the key in the lock that isn't there, but yeah. then the lock appears, appears around. around. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, the car... That has been yeah. appearing and disappearing yeah. up until this yeah. point appears again. Yeah, I mean the the car, it's it's proper sort of Damocles stuff, isn't it? It is yeah. just a constant reminder. I think the thing is, most people, unless you you know you're just a a dim witted five year old child watching this, you probably know by the end of the first act of this story how it's going to end. Yeah. No, absolutely. And 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 they don't let you forget it for for yeah, more than five it, minutes. It's not so much how the story's going to end; it's going to be Rose's reaction yes. to the inevitable end. Yeah. So Rose's dad at this point works out that 
this is yeah, what's going to happen. Exactly. He should be he's there. he's absolutely worked it out and and I I, I think it's uh, you can tell if you watch his face like he's worked it out long before he's willing to admit it to anyone else there. Yeah. He's kind of there is a long period where he's just processing because put yourself in his shoes if you've know that you should have died but you haven't died and part, you being alive yeah. has summoned time yeah. dragons but there's gonna be that selfish part of you isn't there that's just been like but oh, I'm absolutely. alive absolutely. I don't actually I, I'm not I'm but, not relishing the prospect of being dead but in this that selfishness comes from Rose rather than her father he yeah. makes peace with it he does, but I but I think you've got those couple of hours where he's kind of he's he's wavering, he's piecing yeah. it together, and maybe thinking like, is there a way a way around this? Because like nobody wants to be making that choice unless they really feel that they they have no other option. So he gives Rose baby Rose to hold. Yeah, not which, not a smart move. No, because it immediately summons a time dragon that eats the doctor. Yeah, all of a sudden those those old church walls. A no match for the the, the it time just sort weirdness. Of phases yeah. in, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And Rose realizes at this point it's all her fault. Yeah. She asked the question. She didn't she, wait for the answer. She knows. <laughs> the answer came to her. Yeah, in the form of a big fuck off time tra- dragon. At this point, Rose's dad sees the car. Yeah. Tells Rose he has to die. Yeah. Says his goodbyes to Jackie. And says this is his opportunity to become a proper dad. Yeah. Which was an okay scene, I think. I uh, think the emotional scenes between Pete and Rose yeah. is the backbone of this episode. The, there's a part where, I think it was in a previous scene, where mm. he says, what am I like in the future? Yes. Rose says, yeah. and at this point he says, no, that's it's not, not me. me. Yeah. I'm useless, I was never there for you. Yeah. I don't think even well that's implied, but I don't yeah. think he, I think he just says that's not me, and they, they leave it there. And what that I, I I had this penciled in for later, but can we talk? Can we just have a little shout out to Sean Dingwall who plays Pete Tyler? Yeah, he's brilliant actor, and he's in literally not much else. I've never seen him in anything no. else. I think when I looked for him, I did a quick Wikipedia yeah. check. Nothing I'd seen. Yeah. And, but he absolutely kills it in this yeah. episode. Yeah. He, he does a good job carrying the episode. Yeah. Especially when it's a cold introduction we've never seen. Or no, we've never before. seen this character. Um, you know, presumably we'll never see him again. It's This is his one opportunity to kind of make an impression. And yeah, I think he does a fantastic job. And actually brings out, I think, the best in Billy Piper's acting. Yeah. I think more so than Chris Freckleston. Yeah, well, he, we, we know that up until now, each episode, Eccleston's run at a high standard. Yeah. Uh, so there's only so much higher he could go. Yeah. Billy Piper's been up and down. There's yeah. Some bits she's really good, some bits yeah. she's really not. Yeah. I think this episode raised her standard quite significantly. Definitely, definitely. So he says his goodbyes, yeah. goes and gets run over. Yeah. The time dragons disappear. The Doctor reappears, but this time he acknowledges Rose has to be there. Yeah. That he can't die alone. That, yeah. That this would rectify the timeline and rectify Rose's it gives, issues. Yeah, it gives her closure, Yeah, but also means that 
not everyone's going to get eaten by time dragons forever. Yeah. So she cradles her dad as he dies. Yeah. And then we sort of cut to Rose's mum, Jackie, recounting the story from the beginning of the episode, but changed yes. in detail. Yeah, just small details. So, does Jackie remember the time dragon? I don't believe so. Right. I think basically... Because if she acknowledges yeah. Rose's dad was a hero mm. and died to save the world... But I don't think she does... All, she, the, all that's really changed in her recounting of that story is that there was someone there with him. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So that's, that is... It seems as though that is the only lasting right. factor Rather in all of this. She a lot of someone was there yeah. and it was you, Rose, when you grow up. <laughs> yeah. And there were dragons yeah. and you travel in time yeah. and space. Basically, it's, it's as though that... By healing the, those wounds, there's just a kind of a wibbly soft focus aspect to right. the events that took place and I don't think anyone's walking away from that remembering that time dragons came and ate a load of people what I about, think what about all the people that did get eaten do well, they come back well the doctor comes back yeah I suppose so I, we never see well, it they all just round the corner because he just reappears <laughs> round the corner yeah okay. um, and then we find out the TARDIS is back yeah and that's sort of how we end things. Yeah. Off to adventures new. Uh, we're off to next week's episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So all right, then. All I've written here is Illness in World War Two. Yeah. And it's got John Barrowman in it. It you surely know, does. I know just from him being on Saturday Night Television. Yeah. His character is in some way relevant <laughs> going forward. There, there's, there, there's maybe more to him than just this one episode you're yeah, thinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so I, I know... I don't think that's much of a spoiler. Yeah. No, and the whole Torchwood thing. Yeah. But we've already decided that we ain't watching Torchwood. It seems unlikely. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, in a few years' time, I might be all in by then. I might be yeah. chomping at the I mean, what? I'm I'm all in on Doctor Who. I've never gotten through series one of Torchwood. Right. It's not, Some people love it. Some people genuinely love Torchwood. And I hear it, third series in particular... Is is um, very highly talked of, but that first series is such a slog that I've never really, I've never been able to stay the course with it. But anyway, um, so let's talk then about why I have such a complicated relationship with this episode. Go on. Emotionally, it gets me every bloody time. Like mm -hmm. I, I mean, um, for disclosure, I'm a crier. I cry at a lot of things, you know. Every Pixar and Leica movie I've ever seen, I've cried at. I've never seen Cars <laughs> <laughs> before anybody. What about Up? What's your response oh, to the opening scene of Up? I'm devastated. What is more devastating? The beginning of Up? Yeah. Or the furnace scene from Toy Story 3? Where they all accept they're going to die, hold hands, and basically tell each other they love them. For me, it's the beginning of Up. Especially because I didn't expect it. I always expect to cry at the end of a Pixar film. I don't expect to cry in the first fucking ten minutes. I, I can genuinely say this. When I went to see Toy Story 3, yeah. I went on my own. I quite like going to the cinema on my own. I love it as well. You know, creepy older guy you know, going to watch a <laughs> children's film. Nothing wrong with that. And the bit that actually got me is at the end where Andy 
hands his toys over to the little girl. Yeah. And he's he's a child again. Just for a second, yes. he says, yeah. you know, this is Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. It's, I'm, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> they're, they're damn good films. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like floods of tears with this episode, but it does get to me. And I don't know whether the fact that, you know, my, my, my life's circumstances are imminently changing. Um, and I think the, watching it... Do you it, want to explain that? Because otherwise people might as, think you're ill or dying. Yeah, no, to be clear, I'm expecting my first child. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like we're talking about it on, on, on mic because it's like, I don't want to jinx anything. Um, but that's given me a weird new perspective on this episode that I never really had before. And I think it's only going to make me cry more every time I watch it. So emotionally, it absolutely works for me. Mm. As a standalone piece of science fiction, it's got ropey CGI and product of its time, all of that. But it, it works. It tells a story it wants to tell, and I think it tells it well. And, and, and as I say, the backbone of that is, is those two performances from Billy Piper and Sean Dingwall. It's a great episode of TV. Mm, absolutely. I'm not sure whether it's a great episode of Doctor Who. And the reason I say that is because it it sets up rules about time travel. Right. And Doctor Who, at its best, keeps hard and fast rules about time travel at arm's length. Yeah, it's been pretty wishy-washy so far. And it necessarily so, because, as, I, as I've said before, it's, it's a bundle of contradictions. And there are a lot of people I've seen who are coming new to the series like you who every time there's some kind of time anomaly are thinking where are the time reapers yeah. spoiler alert we never see them again is this it for the reapers we never see the reapers again oh, wow. 10 series m multiple time paradoxes see, I, I assume they'd become reoccurring because yeah you would they, wouldn't you they fuck everything up yeah. so frequently yeah we've watched eight episodes where each episode has basically yeah. centered around oh we fucked it up again <laughs> exactly yeah so wow. you so you'd you'd think that but they're just it's not a, a thing not a thing are they ever acknowledged again does something go wrong and they go oh i hope the reapers don't come not on the tv show never again Fuck <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> you see this is the thing with doctor who it doesn't because it is Partly a serialised story, but also just as much an anthology series. But also neither. It's 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 it's, it's, it's a mess. It's, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a glorious mess. But so it's especially modern audiences who are used to HBO and Netflix and very strongly serialised storytelling. You look at something like The Reapers, you think, oh, that is. A central concept that you can build a lot the around. Fact that they got their own episode. Yes. Not connected to anything else. Yeah. I thought if you think back to last week. Yeah. Where the entire episode was simply, this is the Dalek. Yeah. This is what they're all about. Yeah. I thought that's what we had here, but no. But no, they 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 are a mean, just a means to an end for this particular story, and now that this story is done, you will never see or hear from them again. I believe 
They might crop up in like a big Finnish audio story or a comic book or something. I, I know but... that they're definitely in one of the comics. Yeah. When I, like I say, when I googled it, that's when you know the, the, where the term Reapers yeah. comes yeah. from. Yeah. This can I just point out the glasses have come off in, I, in I, I think absolute despair. You know, <laughs> every week I, I pick out what's crap about Doctor Who, and it just does the job for me. <laughs> such an effort to, to explain the Reapers and that's it yeah that's right. it okay so one one of the things I asked of you knowing that we were going to discuss this episode yes was I thought as well as Doctor Who yeah one of the things we enjoy doing is discussing films TV yeah, yeah. so I asked you to give your top five time travel films not necessarily films could be books could be other media television yeah whatever. i've done i've done film and tv i didn't know books were, were were on the table so i've not even thought about books but okay. um so what what i thought we'd do is any honorable mentions okay we would run through and okay. then when it comes time for the list we'd alternate our pick five pick yeah. four yeah. Right down to the beginning. Cool. Okay. okay. So do you want to start with an honourable mention? Well, not an honourable mention so much as a disclaimer, which is that Doctor Who beats everything into a cocktail. I'm going to leave that off the table for the purposes of this it, discussion. It won't come as any surprise. I haven't picked yeah. any Doctor Who. For me, Doctor Who is the perfect time travel show, even though, as we've just established, it plays... Ex In fact, because it plays so fast and loose, it can tell every kind of time travel story imaginable. It doesn't hold itself to any permanent rules that that restrict storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's whatever the, whatever the particular story needs that might rub you up the wrong way, but you just have to go with it. Okay. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to start with an honourable mention? All right. Okay. So honourable mention, uh, Futurama. Technically a time travel show. Yeah. It it was one that nearly made mm. my list. I, I left it off purely because it's such a technicality yeah. that you effectively got one bit of time travel at the start of the first episode and then the predominantly, thing. yeah, it's just kind of set in the future. Um, but it is one of my favourite shows of all time, so I've, I've got to give it a mention. Okay, now, one of my honourable mentions, I mm. if, if this was a list based on purely the films I loved most that feature time travel, it yeah. would possibly be number one. Yeah, but I, I I chose to go for what I consider the best time travel. Yeah. So, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. Right. Okay. The turtles back in time, feudal Japan. There's a magical lamp, not in the mm -hmm. Aladdin sense. It's yeah. It's more like a torch. They travel back in time. They have an adventure. Yeah. Uh -huh. Back. Sounds fun. It, I'll be honest. It only got a score of twenty one on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's a shame. Would you say it holds up? Have you watched it as an adult? Uh, I don't think any of the old mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hold up, but that's simply due to the suits. Yeah. I'll be honest, they were the barrier to entry for me as a child. Yeah. I liked the cartoon. I watched. I didn't watch it religiously. I wasn't a Turtle super fan the way that you were. I do I do remember particularly enjoying when I got some, um, what do they call them, like temporary tattoos? Yes. Um, which I think maybe came in a box of shreddies. Shreddies. Yeah. Because on the back of the box, it would have a picture of the turtles. It would indeed. And yes. You could. Yeah. I, yeah. 
vividly remember those because yeah. my mum would get shreddies. Yeah. She would get frosted shreddies, but we were never allowed the chocolate shreddies. Oh, man. So we never had the full set. What a life. Um, so, yeah... I, I, I enjoyed the turtles, but I remember I, I certainly the thing is we, didn't, we weren't really a cinema family, right. so I never really went to the cinema much as a kid. Um, and when they eventually started to crop up on TV, I remember seeing a trailer for one of them and being so freaked out by those suits. I was just like, this is not for me. This is not my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I've never watched any of the films. Oh, yeah. Well, any other honourable mention? Yes, I wanted to mention. And I, you know what, I was going to make a note of which, I think it's 1960, but the date could be wrong. Uh, the Time Machine, uh, the adaptation of the Asian mm-hmm. H- G. Wells. There's been many over the years. Yeah. This was a particularly high budget for the time, um, Technicolor um, adaptation. It's the iconic one in terms of the design of the Time Machine itself. Yeah. With the um, big rotor yes, on the back. Yeah, loved that as a kid. I don't know whether it holds up, but I, I liked a lot of classic 60s, 70s, even 50s films growing up. Or even earlier, I liked a lot of Errol Flynn swashbucklers, things like that. Like, old stuff was no barrier of entry to me. And, yeah, I just remember being absolutely enthralled by the time machine. So, other honourable mentions from me, from comic books, mm-hmm. I've put... The Days of Future Past X-Men run. Now, I, I hear that the original... Is it only, like, two issues or something? It, it's not long at all. I yeah. actually read it by accident. I had... <laughs> not, not necessarily by accident, but... Yeah, it, you didn't realise it was coming. There was a period of my life where the X-Men comics were Just, everything to me. Yeah. So you used to be able to buy these large collections called the essentials from, right from marvel where the, sure it would just be a huge omnibus yeah i think i got through to about essential x-men easily eight possibly yeah. up to ten yeah so i'd read probably the first easily 30 years of mm. x-men comics yeah and whilst reading it it sort of came out of nowhere because it was just literally an issue of the x-men comic I yeah thought, fantastic and then a few years later, I realised it was this seminal, yeah, like run. And but it did stand out for you at the time without knowing that it was oh, a... absolutely. Mm. It, old X Men comics aren't as good as people think they are. <laughs> There's a lot where they they just constantly go to outer space. But off the back of that, yeah. there's the Days of Future Past. But in 2002, one of my favourite comic runs was the Weapon X from 2002. Yeah, they did a run called Days of Future Now. Right. Which I can't recommend enough. Cool. Another comic book one from me, one of my favourite characters is Cable. Yeah. His MO is he's basically the time police. Yeah. He's like Doctor Who, but cool. Um, And the current run called Extermination, (laughs) I can't recommend enough. And then we get into my honourable mentions of movies that didn't quite make the list. Right, okay. I'm very interested to see what. Okay. Groundhog Day. Yeah, no, I, fair enough. I couldn't work out whether that counted as time I, travel. I would definitely count it. I considered it. Um, the thing that holds me back from it is the fact that it's pretty sketchy. Yeah. Um, from a moral perspective. It's a brilliantly made film. Um, it's got great central performances, really tight screenplay. 
Um, but the central premise is pretty dodge. <laughs> and, and it makes me feel like by the end of it I, I, I get swept along in it when I'm watching it and then afterwards I get, so kind of step back and think oh dear oh no yeah. <laughs> I, I then have the J.J. Abrams recent Star Trek reboot yeah but sure I didn't I put that on for yeah. time travel because I wasn't sure it sort of paralleled yeah is it yeah I don't know whether it counts um, yeah. a film called Cube 2 I don't know if you've ever seen Cube or I haven't a Cube no basically Imagine loads of cube rooms mm-hmm. next to each other, and it's like a maze. You have to escape, but some of them have got traps in. But then sounds like a good video game. Maybe that, the, the first one yeah. is easily one of my favourite films. The second oh. one introduces time. So when you go right. through the door, you may be entering the same room, but before you'd ever entered it. Oh, that sounds like it could get bit, messy very quickly. Yeah. yeah, and then two that were on my list. Basically, because they're films that have time travel in, but I have no real fondness for them. Looper. Never bothered with Looper. Don't. Okay. Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Really want to see it. Haven't gotten round to it. Is better than Looper. Cool. But I enjoyed it. I hear it. I've had. I've not encountered anyone who actually actively disliked Edge of Tomorrow. It's okay. And I like the premise. The premise intrigues me. So it's on my to-do list. I'm... I should say, I'm really bad at watching films. Mm. I, I, I don't get to the cinema very often, and I'm really, really bad at motivating myself to watch films at home, especially when there's old Doctor Who to watch. So, my, you know, caveat my, there. My next two were originally in my top five, and I've bumped them out. Oh, no. Doctor Strange? Yes. You know what? That the could end, easily have ended up on my battle. top five. Yeah. And Flight of the Navigator. Yes, Another one I strongly considered. I left off purely because, for me, Flight of the Navigator is, at this stage, nothing but a sense memory. Mm. I remember how it made me feel when I watched it on a grainy VHS as a child. No details. No details whatsoever. Right. So what I wanted to do, then, is we'll alternate between our pick number five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to start? Okay. your number five? Okay. Bear with me here. Unidentified flying oddball. You may know it better as uh, The Spaceman and King Arthur, which was the UK title. I, now you've said it, that would have been on my list if I could remember its title. Am I right in thinking that ends with the people going forward in time and there is a duck in the time machine? That's how they realise they can transport people from the past to the future, and then they take a princess with them. I have a feeling that is exactly how it ends. Yeah, it's been a long I, time since I I've watched vividly it. Vividly remember that, but yeah. I could not remember <laughs> the name. So I don't know if you're aware. It's it's one of the live action Disney films of yeah. the sixties and seventies. I think this is towards the end. You know, seventy nine. I think it is. Um, so it, you know you can find it alongside the likes of Blackbeard's Ghost, mm-hmm. or what about songs from the South? Um, yeah, that's that's a discussion for another time. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it was one of those ones where I taped it off the telly on a mm-hmm. bank holiday, and it was a mainstay at my grandparents' house. See, I think so. tonally, my choice for pick number. Uh-huh. I've gone for the Evil Dead Three Army of Darkness. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. I didn't know if there, there was any um, 
time travel in the Evil Dead franchise. So essentially, at the end of Evil Dead Two, mm-hmm. the Necronomicon basically blasts Ash. Mm-hmm. The sequel, Evil Dead Three, we find out it blasts him back to medieval times. Yeah. And the zombies are there with him, and he essentially takes charge of like a medieval rabble. Yeah. To fight zombies. Yeah. It, unlike all the other Evil Dead films, it is comedy gold. It is not scary. Mm. It is just the silliest film. <laughs> I might have to give that a go then, because I'm I have a difficult relationship with horror, but I do enjoy good comedy horror. Mm. So maybe that's what I need to consider. Okay, what did you pick for number four? Okay, so number four, I went I went TV, mm-hmm. Life on Mars. Never seen it. Have you not? Never seen it. It's cracking. Um, in, for in me, the same way, I just think Doctor Who didn't appeal to me. Yeah. Life on Mars is the same. You see, the thing I think Life on Mars has been kind of tainted by the fact that they milked it by doing Ashes to Ashes, which I watched one episode of and immediately bailed on because I was like, you, no, you're just trying to go back to the same well. The original two, and also the American remake, no good. Right. Two, Life on Mars is two series of absolute perfection, and for me, nothing else exists surrounding that. I don't want any tie-in media. I don't want them to ever try and do another sequel series or, or go back to it in any way. For me, those two series, just absolute perfection. And for those who aren't aware of it, Life on Mars, it's a simple premise. Cop from the present day gets hit by a car, wakes up in the 70s, isn't sure if he's in a coma or if he's actually somehow travelled in time. See, something I haven't mentioned, but I really wish I had, and I'm mentioning this simply because I hope my little brother listens, is I cannot believe I didn't put Goodnight Sweetheart on here. Oh, Yeah, I mean... do we need to have a conversation about Good Night's Day? No, we've it's... mentioned it. Yeah. People do know it, will know why we're laughing. Yeah. So my pick for number four was actually the original Christopher Reeve Superman film. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Cause he, which um, ends with yeah, him flying yeah. around the world backwards. Yeah. When we're talking about setting up stupid rules for time travel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number uh, three? Number three for me, Quantum Leap. Is that time travel... You're yeah, travelling to different he does time go periods. Different times. He absolutely does uh, bounce around from one time period to another. In, a, in some ways, I think uh, Quantum Leap appeals to me in the same way Doctor Who does, mm. in that you have the ability to potentially go anywhere and tell any kind of story yeah. within um, an episode, and you know that's something yeah, I find quite appealing. Because if we were doing this show about Quantum Leap rather yeah. than Doctor Who, yeah, I would love every episode. Yeah, I don't think I. I've seen an episode where I've thought, oh, that wasn't very good. Mm. Because, for all intents and purposes, all the episodes are the same. Yes. But, you, I, I, I like Quantum Leap. It's a, it's just, the thing is, it's just such a good premise. Mm. Such a good premise for a show. And it staggers me that there isn't a Netflix reboot or something on, on the cards. And I check every now, every now and then, I'll Google Quantum Leap reboot. And I, someone's trying to do a film, but... Why would you break a film? It's episodic. It is It is made for TV. I suppose if you make a film, you can only leap once. Yeah, you once or twice. Talk. Exactly. And it's just like, no, just do it Do it on TV. 
do it with a contemporary budget and there's so much potential there. So again, absolute shift in tone from my pick number three. Yeah. I've gone Terminator. Okay. Specifically Terminator 2. I think most people agree that's the best one. Yeah. I have a weird fondness for Terminator 3 and then the rest are rubbish. Mm. But... That does seem to be the consensus. Terminator 2 is, is and, the peak. And Terminator established rules for time travel as well. Yeah. That you had to come back with no material possessions and what have you. And it introduced this idea of, you know, Judgment Day and Skynet mm. and... It's just fantastic. I don't know if this will surprise you or not. I've never seen Terminator. Have you ever seen Terminator 2? No. Have you ever seen any of the Terminator? No. I've seen every Terminator <laughs> and the TV show. Terminator 2 is just early 90s, cocaine-fueled, Guns N' Roses yeah. do the soundtrack. Basic, it basically, it was exactly the kind of thing I wasn't allowed to watch as a child. Right. right. And as a result of that... I kind of feel almost like I missed the boat. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I, I have this with, like, those late 80s, early 90s, action, sci-fi, you know, grown up, but the kind of thing where I knew all of my friends in junior school, they were all watching these films. That's and it. I, I, was I just remember never allowed. being a primary school. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm right in saying the film was rated 18. Yeah. But... Not I for could, children. I could but, yeah. recite near yeah. enough the whole film. Yeah, and it's it was this weird phenomenon, and I think we see it a bit. I don't know. It's kind of different now, but but you know we see it a bit with things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff, where they're not really for kids, but no. but then all the marketing absolutely is, absolutely. and um, yeah, it's weird. Okay, your pick for number two. <sighs> I've picked a trilogy. Go on. Back to the Future. See, I also have Back to the Future as my number two. Yeah, because you just have to acknowledge the they, the quality of it. They are amazing. Yeah. And I, the last time I think I watched them was at university. Yeah. And I watched one every night over the case of Green Knight. Yeah, yeah. And how well linked they are. That's so good. Yeah. You know. Back to the Future 3 has ties to Back to the Future 2 and mm -hmm. 1 and mm -hmm. number 1 has ties to 3. Yeah. And and they they are rightly heralded yeah. as these fantastic. And people are often very dismissive about Back to the Future 3. Ask me on certain days it might be my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, I mean I think that's partly me showing my my fondness for like historical stuff especially stuff set around the 1800s um the, yeah my major criticism of back to the future 3 is the fact that the computer game on the zx spectrum <laughs> that me and my brothers <laughs> would play on was absolutely balls yeah it was one of the worst games of my childhood yeah i don't think you can hold that against it to be fair and I will. <laughs> okay, so your so, number one pick. My number one pick. I wonder if you can guess it. If it's not Doctor Who. Yeah. Which, as I say, I, I just to, to make, level the playing field, I, I had to I leave it off the table. I don't think we're going to meet in the middle on our number one pick. Oh, picks. I think it's very unlikely. I mean, you will have... I'd be surprised if you haven't heard of it, but I don't know whether it even would have crossed your mind to, th to pick it. Go on. Time Bandits. When I was Googling yeah. 
films featuring time travel just yeah. to see if there was any I'd missed. It came up on just about every yeah. list. And for me, it's too abstract. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those... The, there's that set of fantasy films from mm-hmm. the 80s. You have Time Bandits, you have Labyrinth, you have Never, Never Ending, Ending Story. Story. Yeah. And they're all fantastic. Mm-hmm. But for me, of that group, Time Bandits is the one... I mean, it's 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 a slippery old beast, as is the case, I think, of all of Terry Gilliam's films. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not a filmmaker who likes to hold your hand uh, and make things easy for you, even when he's making what is essentially a kids' film. I mean, um, Time Bandits has perhaps one of the bleakest endings of any children's film you will ever see. It, it, it ends basically... Is it where the house burns down? Yeah, with his parents inside. Yeah. And you've just got this lonely child who's gone on this crazy adventure and he's come home and he has no home, no family. <laughs> and roll credits. Yeah. That is some ballsy filmmaking That's right dark. there. That's real dark. Yeah, and obviously as a massive Monty Python fan, plenty of... You know, fun like pretty much every member of the of the Python team has a a, a role in that film. Warwick Davis, mm. you know, absolutely kills it, and just the visual invention, the wit of the script, and it is it's so wonky and lumpy and strange and difficult. Yeah, it's not you. You'd look at some in a, in another pair of hands. It could have been a twee jolly rollicking little adventure but it's a film made by terry gilliam and it just it jabs its fingers in your ears (laughs) and waggles them around and you'll never be the same after watching it see for for my my number one unsurprisingly i've gone for bill and ted yeah i i could have predicted that yeah uh specifically uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which I don't think I've ever seen. I've e- seen I've seen Excellent Adventure. Excellent Adventure is the more time travel heavy of the two. That's yeah. where they have to get the people from yeah. history. Yeah, for their history project. Yes. Now, Bogus Journey starts in the future mm. where we find out Bill and Ted have essentially become like prophet-like figures, <laughs> and but in modern I say modern times yeah when the film was filmed they haven't progressed past you know loser teenagers so it's a nice growth piece right you know they yeah. they are killed they go to heaven they go to hell <laughs> and then at the end there's a little bit more time travel because they realize they're going to play ban- battle of the bands that was like where they became infamous in right. the future yeah so they basically travel through time become really good at guitars and then reappear two seconds later <laughs> as old men who are like that's fun you guitar. know what I would probably enjoy it I, I, I'm i fond of, of Ben and Ted's Excellent Adventure I do I always have a slight chip on my shoulder with it because I feel like they, they definitely did rip off Doctor Who no with with the design of the time machine why it's a phone box <laughs> completely <laughs> different that's, idea that's chalk and cheese uh, yeah I don't know it's Plus, fine the, like Doctor Who wasn't on the air at the yeah. time. So. Okay, so I don't have any other honourable mentions or anything because I didn't want to put this in, but I did want to say at the end, um, I have a, a not a dishonourable mention, but just a disclaimer. If you claim that you like the film Primer, 
you are you are mistaken. You do not like the film Primer. It is a bad film. Uh, I've never seen it. I mean, you've heard of it though, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's this like little indie film that's that certain let's call, we'll call them what they are redditors will will claim is like the pinnacle of all time travel filmmakings because because it is absolutely rigorous in how it presents time travel right what it is not is entertaining or fun or interesting <laughs> yeah. to watch yeah um it's it's mumbly and confusing and boring and bad right and so I just immediately lose respect for anyone who claims that Primer is a good film or a good example of time yes travel storytelling. Or no. Would you rather watch, in its entirety, mm. Goodnight Sweetheart or Primer? Oh, no, no, even. There's no contest there. Goodnight Sweetheart. I would watch Goodnight Sweetheart in its entirety, in one sitting, two times over before I. You would ever make me sit through Primer again? Right. I have never had a more miserable experience with a film. I- I'll see that bet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so shall we leave it there? Shall we wrap up? Yeah. So this has been um, fun as ever. I hope you've enjoyed it and our little diversion there. So next week we're going to be talking about uh, the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. Another two-parter. Another two-parter. Um, it'll be very, very interesting to see what Matt makes of those. So, until then, thank you very much for listening and uh, cheerio. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. Feel free to get in contact with us. Our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. Alternatively, over Twitter, we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.